0: Talked into starting on Short Rest, it's episode 12 of Touching Base, a podcast from Baseball Softball UK. I'm Luke Stott. In a bonus podcast to celebrate the 80th anniversary of England winning the inaugural Baseball World Cup, we're taking a closer look at the past and future of baseball in the UK. This week we're joined by two guests as Josh Chetwin makes his second podcast appearance in a week to discuss a storied history of UK baseball. We're also joined by Ben Carter from rival podcast Batflips and Nerds. He drops in to discuss the MLB London series, which is now less than 12 months away. This is the Touching Base podcast, and it begins right now. So I'm joined for the second podcast of the week by Josh Chetwin. Um, First of all, thank you very much for joining us, Josh, once more.
1: It's my pleasure. Great to talk to you again,
0: Luke. Fantastic. And we're here today to talk about the history, uh, the past, present, and hopefully future of baseball in the UK. And the best way of deciding where you want to go in the future is by recognizing where you've been. So Josh, um, I'm hoping you could give us an outline on the history of baseball in the UK.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I can't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Luke, which is that, you know, I think... Often uh, people are not familiar with uh, the past and the press is always a prelude to the future. Uh, And British baseball has uh, such a rich history. Uh, It dates back to uh, the 19th century. There were Opportunities and tours from Americans uh, dating back to 1874 uh, when uh, the Boston Red Stockings uh, came over as part of a world tour, played games in uh, London, Dublin, Liverpool and Manchester. So obviously Ireland uh, and the UK, uh, along with going uh, elsewhere and brought a lot of attention uh, to baseball. There was a general feeling at that time that... um, uh, that the trip was, you know, a little bit of uh, something that was kind of uh, falsely created and trying to create pep for baseball uh, in the UK, but it certainly uh, created a lot of interest in the media. To to me, the the most interesting uh, first step uh, towards uh, baseball. Uh, in terms of long-lasting, uh, occurred in 1889 and really 1890, where there was an effort by A.G. Spalding, who was a very famous baseball magnate in the U.S. Uh, he created Spalding's official baseball guide, and anyone who's listening to this who played baseball you know, 20, 30 years ago, Spalding baseballs were very famous and, and Spalding gloves. Uh, but he decided to start a professional league and also try and really jumpstart amateur baseball in 1890. Uh, that professional league brought over uh, some perfect, you know, some U S and Canadian professionals. Uh, it was a, a great league. Um, Darby was a big player. So Francis Lay, who's famous uh, in Darby, uh, created his baseball ground, which ended up being the, 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 the football pitch uh, for quite a long time and ran his team out of there. They were actually the best team in that professional league, but it got disqualified because uh, it was suggested that they were unfairly using their ace uh, ringer pitcher uh, too much and Aston Villa won that league. And then the first British national champion was crowned out of the amateur side and that was Preston North End. Uh, And anyone who knows football knows that that is a football side. What was Mm -hmm. interesting about these early years of professional, uh, not professional, but amateur baseball is that it was very popular for players who were playing football to also uh, play uh, baseball as well. Steve Bloomer, who was a famous early uh, uh, football player uh, represented England in in football, uh, was also a uh, baseball player. Um, Number of Famous football sides played baseball uh, at the start of the 20th century. Uh, Tottenham, Mm -hmm. uh, the Spurs uh, won two national championships. Uh, uh, There were a number of other teams. Arsenal uh, played baseball. uh, Nottingham Forest. So uh, baseball was pretty well integrated as a a summer opportunity to not necessarily compete with cricket, but maybe to be an alternative for some of these players uh, to play. And the sport was doing, to be honest, I'd say quite well as a minor sport. I think that one thing you see when you look at the history of British uh, baseball is that one of the difficulties uh, was that the British sporting community was not very comfortable to allow another sport onto their landscape uh, Mm. after football, rugby and cricket. And the fact Mm. that baseball is so close to cricket really always kept baseball down, even though there was a lot of interest at this point. Um, what, what kind of slowed things down, of course, was World War I. Uh, people didn't have time for these sort of frivolities. And to whatever extent baseball was uh, seeing a certain level of uh, growth, uh, it was certainly stunted by that. Baseball was played a lot actually during the war, but by American and Canadians who came over and there were largely attended games and actually leagues played by soldiers, Uh, But the English didn't really play as much at that point. So that's sort of the early history uh, leading up uh, until um, we we get into sort of a slow period in the 1920s. Uh, There was another tour of professional U.S. players who came over as part of a broader tour. So there were sort of little spikes of interest, but it wasn't until 1933 and uh, John Moores and his interest in baseball that we see the sport growing again.
0: Yeah, and uh, for those who've listened to our previous podcast, John Moores was instrumental in setting in motion um, the conditions that created the International Test Series in 1938 between uh, an England team and the US, which later became the first World Cup. Um, It's really interesting you talk about how this combination between football teams and uh, baseball teams, um, you mentioned previously the West Ham team um, as well that played baseball. (laughs)
1: Now, West Ham was one of the few, in that first period, There's suggestions that West Ham United was actually involved. The West Ham team that played in the 1930s actually wasn't affiliated uh, with West Ham United, although they called themselves the Hammers, I think, in the hopes of getting some of that uh, sort of bounce from the very beloved football side that were in the same area.
0: So would you say this sort of period of steady growth, um, we've talked previously that the leagues by 1936, 37, were professionalised in the UK, And was that sort of the the pinnacle of British baseball at that point? Because once we hit uh, the Second World War, things seem appear to have dissipated again and much the same way they did in World War One.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think that you would call it the pinnacle for a number of reasons. Uh, One is that the leagues were playing in really large facilities. They were playing in stadiums, some football stadiums. But What was very popular was to uh, play in Greyhound stadiums. But Mm -hmm. even a same like White City, uh, which is now demolished but was a huge venue, uh, hosted a baseball team. So you had these you know, if you build it, they will come or he will come as the actual quote from Field of Dreams. But as we mm-hmm. sort of bastardized it over the years, um, you had sort of a spectacle type of opportunity. Now, the fields were strangely configured to get into these stadiums. So it wasn't the best baseball from that standpoint, but you had at least, you know, large facilities. So I think that that was one issue. And the second issue was you had a huge amount of money behind it. Uh, It was uh, one estimate that uh, we had gotten when I was writing British baseball in the West Ham Club with my co-author, Brian Belton, was that John Moores in the first year of the professional league uh, in 1935, put in about 15,000 pounds into the league, which, uh, you know, put into modern dollars was something like a, you know, a half- a million dollars or something like that yeah. so there was huge money as uh, sort of uh, going into it and you had high talent whether baseball would have continued in that trajectory if not for World war ii there's certainly arguments made for that i think that they were the league was at a bit of a crossroads in 1938 because they had pulled back from the fully professional leagues gone to a semi a singular semi-professional circuit uh in the yorkshire lancashire league and so I think that, that the people who were running baseball at that point were still trying to figure out how best to really bring baseball to that next level, to be not just a minor sport on the British sporting landscape, but to be a mid-sized sport. Uh, and so whether they would have cracked that code, if not for World War II, I don't know. But I certainly know that World War II made it impossible to do so.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then post the Second World War, um, do you think there was just this absence of this John Moore's sort of type figure to really try and reestablish and get another toehold in the UK baseball scene? Um, that something- well,
1: well, yeah. Well, well, baseball certainly still existed. It existed in in you know uh, throughout the fifties. Um, one of the factors that probably helped baseball a bit leading up until just very recent times where there was always an American presence with uh, various army uh, military bases here. And that would always uh, Lake and Heath uh, is an example of that. Uh, There were a number of them uh, that would always sort of offer a good baseball side for either uh, domestics to play against or to play with. And so it definitely existed. Uh, There were some teams that actually lasted through the war. The Hornsey Red Sox, Hornsey uh, was a team that lasted uh, into the, uh, you know, post-war period. And up north, I think there was also still a lot of love for baseball. Liverpool has a long history that lasted uh, from before and then through the war. Hull as well. Um, London, not as much. So baseball has always been there. I think that one of the issues that you started to have when there wasn't money uh, backing it and so uh, probably that greater level of professionalism was that you had people coming into the sport who saw an opportunity to have some power within a sport uh, and Mm. to control it. And that led to a lot of tensions between various parties. And we've seen this from post-war up until today, that you have various groups who feel they know how best to take baseball to the next level, and they clash violently, not physically violently, but metaphorically violently, uh, in terms of how... Uh, the game should move forward. And that has consistently, and there are about four or five examples from 1950 to the present that I can think of off the top of my head, where disagreements led to breakups of, uh, you know, rather than having a singular uh, effort pushing forward for baseball in the UK, and rather multiple groups thinking they know best in splintering.
0: If we fast forward through to today, uh, where next year we have the MLB series coming in, and what appears to be the vanguard of another international push into UK for baseball. Um, Do you feel the best place to receive that uh, or to make the most of it from a domestic standpoint is to try and present a united front?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that there needs to be a lot of loud voices from the domestic side uh, and hopefully get the ear of Major League Baseball for them to do a lot of shoulder programming uh, you know, there are two types of, of people who like baseball in, in the UK. And I saw this as someone who worked on Channel 5 uh, doing television. I saw this as someone who played in the domestic leagues, is that you have people who love playing the game and people who love watching the game. There mm. are overlap in the two groups, but there are also people who do not overlap as much. Usually the people who play overlap, but there's certainly people who love watching the game but don't play it. Uh, That's one of the great values of softball, which is that it's sort of a nice gateway. Uh, It's a sport. I think that it's a little more accessible for people who may be a little older and baseball, maybe a little bit too much of a jump um, compared to slow pitch softball to kind of get involved in a similar type of game. Um, But I think what people need to be doing is to coming together, speaking as best you can in one voice uh, towards uh, discussing, you know, growth of baseball, also discussing this type of history of baseball uh, and uh, then, you know, trying to to move forward together. I guess history has shown in the past that the splintering groups never lead to the result or typically do not lead to the result. And I'm not saying that just by fact of being together as one group and everyone being unified automatically gets you to where you need to go um but i've seen a little bit better headway if i'm looking historically uh when it's been unified uh, than when it's not
0: yeah for sure well yeah thank you very much for giving us insight into uh the history of baseball in the uk uh and uh, it'd be great to speak to you again in future hopefully when the mlb series is just around the corner sounds great luke great Great talking to you So in the second half of our podcast now i'm joined by ben carter and we're here to talk about the mlb series so first of all thanks very much for joining us ben
2: no problem thanks for having me
0: and so just to start off I was wondering if you could introduce yourself to the listeners
2: yeah no problem so um as you mentioned I'm um, ben 22 years old uh, just out of university um been playing baseball for about five years now following it for a little bit longer than that um there's not a whole lot interesting about me other than those two things um, played at University of Nottingham where um, I cross paths with you. Um, sure. Listeners should know that Luke is a nightmare to pitch against. Because, um, so it's worth noting that we have had a few battles over the years and that you've usually come out on top. Um, but since then,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, you're too kind. Since then, I've um, also played for Richmond in um, BDF leagues, I'm mostly at single and double A. Um, and yeah, following the sport, I'm a Colorado Rockies fan uh, for my Sims um have been since yeah since about 2010 11 when i first got into the sport um have never really seen them hit the heights that other teams have um but yeah i've taken a general interest in in everything to do with the sport really and and to this day still love it so um yeah yeah just a big fan who, who plays a bit too
0: yeah sure and you do a bit of uh, work with Backflips and nerds uh, a rival podcast i understand
2: that's right, yeah. Hopefully a friendly rivalry. Very friendly, very yeah. friendly rivalry. <laughs> That's right, yeah. The guys at Batfetch and Nerds who, who you may or may not know. Tom and John, obviously the, the main guys there. But it's been good fun getting to work with them. I've always loved like the writing side of it and talking about baseball and pretending I know anything about the sport. So it's been great to have a platform to do that on and, and to get in touch with people like you and others who who also have a passion for the sport in this country. Uh,
0: so, uh, we're under a year uh, until the MLB series begins. How are you feeling um about sort of the event coming to uh coming to london
2: i think the uh, overriding emotion is, is excitement at this point um you know it's been a couple of months now i guess since since the announcement was, was made official which is obviously a really exciting day and, and since then we've we've not heard a whole lot about the game but but the main ex- uh, emotion as i said is, is excitement not long to go less than a year um i think there's a lot of people who who can't wait to get their hands on tickets and, and to find out all the details around the game and the stuff that'll be happening around it so um yeah, a long, a long time to wait still, but um, it feels a bit surreal that we're having a game in London, two games in London, of course, um, and really can't wait to, um, to get involved in it.
0: How much do you think that the MLB series is going to impact baseball players on the ground? How do you think that those people that are going to sit there and watch that in the stadium? How are we going to get those people into playing baseball, do you think?
2: Yeah, it's a tough question. I mean, there are kind of two aspects to it, like you mentioned. For, for those of us that are already playing and following the sport, it's an awesome thing to kind of rally around and use as a, a centre point um, for the next year or so, because there'll be so many you know, fans who can use that game as a place to, to meet up, get to know each other, chat, you know, see familiar faces from on the field, off the field. Um, it's the kind of thing that regardless of who you support and who you play for and, and where you live, you, you want to be involved with it. So it's great to kind of get everyone all behind one event like that and, and get all those sort of people who say stay up late at night watching games or travel to games at the weekend far and far flung places together in one place, which would be awesome. Um and then the other aspect of it, which you mentioned, is is people who just kind of see this one off event at London Stadium and go, well, what the hell's that? What's this all about? Um it's kind of about getting those two things aligned and getting people who who do go and watch the game or hear about the game and, and find it interesting, um, aware that there are a ways into the sport in this country, you know, whether that be playing it, following it. You know, there are so many different things you can do with baseball in this country. Um, so it's tough to, to find a way to get those people aware. But I think the point does act as the game. sorry, does act as that point around which we can um, get people interested and, and say to them, listen, it's not a big sport, but it's a sport. That there are a lot of people passionate about and, um, and something that you should get involved with if, if you are, too. So hopefully there's plenty we can take away from it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and as our previous guest on this week's edition was Josh Chetwin, who... Um, fronted the television coverage when baseball was on Channel Five back in the early noughties. and it'll be interesting again to see, uh, hopefully, a public broadcaster uh, carrying the two baseball games. Um, can you imagine, you know, a Major League Baseball game on BBC television, um, at prime time on a Friday and a Saturday night? Uh, that will be huge for the sport and. You know you can reach many many millions of people um that we know with the best one in the world um the uk uh, the people who are working in baseball in the uk currently just aren't able to reach and it's just an incredible shot in the arm um the question i guess becomes how best do we um make use of that stimulus if you will um how do we move things in like i'm because you've played at university and you've also played uh, in club baseball, um, how would you go about sort of bringing people in um, into playing for Richmond, for example? Uh, how would you, what, what's the best way of actually transferring those, those bum on seats and stadium onto people standing on a diamond?
2: I think it's hard to find sort of that prescriptive route from, you know, seeing baseball happen, whether that be, you know, on TV next year for the London series or, Or just seeing a clip of it on you know facebook just scrolling through your feed and turning those people into to you know fans and players because i think we all have our own experiences of how we fell in love with the game and and i'm sure you could get thousands of people telling you the little moment that you know it all switched for them um i think the thing that is most important is making it easier for people to go from you know that moment that they think you know what this is something worth following and giving them an easy way to to then you know find like-minded people who also like the sport to find easy explanations for the rules of the game to find information about their local teams. I mean, for me personally, you know, baseball was something I kind of slipped into um, through a love of American football first. And um, I kind of went through the effort of Googling which teams were near where I live. And, you know, there's like an email at the bottom of the Richmond website, which I got in touch with. Unfortunately, they were proactive in getting back to me and, you know, went along to one training session. And as I'm sure the same for many people, you know, the rest is kind of history. Um, and, and for us next year, it will be about doing that, but hopefully on a much bigger scale and saying to people If you find this interesting, if you find this, you know, remotely Fascinating, then, you know, here's, you know, your local club. Here's 10 people who live near you who love the sport too. Here's a meetup in London where we'll watch live games um, and, and giving them those easy avenues into, you know, getting to know the sport a little bit better So it's hard to kind of give you like a prescriptive answer for that question But mm. I guess for me, the, the the ultimate would be to just give people that easy access like you can for for most of the mainstream sports in the uk into playing you know watching hearing about um, in a way that isn't quite there right now just because the sport has such a low profile
0: yeah for sure and you mentioned you started off with an interest in american football first and you've really crossed over to baseball and you know what mlb are doing here essentially is copying what the nfl have been doing since 2007 and i'm just curious did you Experience a big um, increase in the buzz that was surrounding American football in this country when the NFL really started to invest resources in staging these games outside of the U.S.
2: I think so. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really follow American football closely until about 2008 nine. Uh, obviously, I was aware that there were games happening as early as you say as 2007, but it was just kind of like a didn't really take much, make much notice of it apart from a, you know an article on. The BBC website and, and, a, and an article in the newspaper but I think with it being on Sky Sports I kind of started to watch it occasionally on a Sunday and you know I went out actually to, to New York on holiday my family and we went and watched a New York Giants game and I think like for a lot of sports once you see it live it's, it's a whole different experience isn't it getting to sit there and watch those guys up close um, and from there it, it grew and um, as you say once I realized there were games in London as I'm sure many baseball fans felt this year it was like wow I've got to be there I've got to go and watch it um, and with the games happening every year, you kind of get into that routine. I think they've got you know, a good four coming up this year for the NFL. Um, mm. It's a different challenge for baseball, just because I think even though the NFL was a fairly niche sport 10, 15 years ago, major baseball is probably even further behind in terms of the, the following on the ground right now. But when you look at the success that NFL has had in terms of you know, being broadcast on Sky, having the games here, having you know players in the NFL aware that there's this huge man base, not just in, in London, but in the UK and, and across Europe, Um, that's got to be kind of the gold standard for Major League Baseball in terms of what they can achieve in this market and what they should be trying to replicate, not necessarily in the same way, but definitely in terms of results.
0: And for those of us that don't follow American football, um, can you sort of give us a quick explanation of how, of what the Jacksonville Jaguars have done specifically uh, with regard to playing NFL games uh, in the UK and trying to build a fan base here? Sure,
2: yeah. I mean, um, there are probably people out there who know far more about the history of the Jaguars in the UK than I do. But um, as far as I know, the Jaguars, I think, first played a game in London in 2009 or maybe a couple of years after that. Um, but certainly in the last few years, it's been they've been regular appearances in the UK. I think they've had two games a year for the last at least two years, maybe three years. Um, and so started to kind of become the UK's team because you're seeing the same players every year, the same coaches, the same fans travel over. Um, and I think in a way, the Jaguars have started to deal themselves to you know, the UK population and they're going to be diehard fans uh in the nfl who are never going to give up the team that they love since the age of you know 10 and i totally get that and it's going to be the same for major league baseball you know if you're a, a fan of the red Sox, a fan of the dodgers whoever it may be you're not going to give them up just because the team comes over to the uk plays a game and then jets off back home again but i think for a lot of fans and i kind of include myself in this you know seeing the jaguars make that investment in london they've got ties to, to london through their owner shahid khan who also owns Fulham football club um, you know, it, it's kind of nice to see a team come back every year and, and not necessarily be a home team in a traditional sense, but a team that that is there every year and you can kind of follow the fortune of from season to season. Um, so we're probably a long way off getting a Major League Baseball team in London the same way the Jaguars are in, the, in London with the NFL. Um, but it's kind of the thing that you can see yourself dreaming on as a fan and saying, wouldn't it be awesome to have a team that, whilst not a London-based franchise, is a team that has pretty strong ties to to the city, to the
0: country, and, and to Europe as a whole. It's like you were sort of around uh, last year for the MLB Battlegrounds event, weren't you?
2: Yeah, well, unfortunately, I was actually out of the country for the event itself. It was a shame because they announced it, and I was such excitement, and and I got so excited for it until I realized that I was not going to be in the United Kingdom for it. So yeah. um, I was kind of there in the, in the periphery of the event, and I kind of felt the effects, the afterglow of the event, where we had these sort of meetups. And and I saw some of the preparations that went into it, but unfortunately I wasn't there for it. But what I saw was was that it was fantastic and that a lot of people kind of felt inspired by it or, or at least saw it as, you know, finally recognition of the fact that there are baseball fans here who, um, who will lap up that kind of event. Um, I don't know if you went yourself, but that's just what I heard.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I was otherwise engaged working for Baseball Softball UK, <laughs> 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 Deliver- delivering uh, softball uh, for the corporate games in Nottingham. So I too missed out, unfortunately. Um, but I think one of the things I was present for and noticed, especially on social media, um, was this buzz. Um, we we added about 50-odd uh, Twitter follows just that evening. I remember sitting there till 2 a.m., going through the BSUK Twitter account, seeing all these new followers, refreshing it, and every soft, you know, every 10, 20 seconds, five new followers, five new followers, five new followers, hmm. and just going on all the way through. And it's like, ah, oh, this, this is what it must be like to be popular. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I just imagine it's going to be like that, times 10. And off the back of that battlegrounds thing, seeing all these MLB meetups just springing up all over the place, Uh, in London, in Manchester, Leeds, Scotland, uh, Glasgow and Edinburgh. Um, It's all of a sudden these people, everyone's coming out of the woodwork because it feels like they have a reason to become galvanised now. Uh, Is that sort of what you're seeing as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it was fantastic to see so many people on the day itself, make the effort to come down to London and, and go to Hyde Park and watch the event take place. But also afterwards, make the effort to keep that momentum up. And um, you know, it's not like Major League Baseball have been organising these events. These are fans who are taking it upon themselves to say, listen, we know now there are tons of us in this country. Let's let's not hide in our bedrooms and watch the games on our own. Let's meet up and, and keep this momentum going. Um, and and even you know, the meetups have been fantastic, and, and the guys that have organised that deserve so much credit for what they've done with it. And even at you know the the club level guys on my team who you know previously didn't really care that much about Major League Baseball were suddenly asking questions about the teams, they want to know about events. You know, it's something that really served as a spark um, that, like we say, really has a chance to, to take off next year around the series, which, like you mentioned, should be Battlegrounds times times 10. Um, mm. So it is really it is really nice and sort of fills you up, like you say, makes you feel good about yourself when you see that it's not just me being crazy like in this sport. There's a bunch of other people out there too who, who love it and a bunch of people who are starting to get to know it and love it even more. Um, so that's definitely a rewarding side of it.
0: What we're sort of getting to here is that hopefully the games next year are just the beginning. Like I know the, the CBA has come in and they're contracted to come back again the following year, and I think one more game the following year after that. But, you know, we want to be thinking longer term. Um, you know, you also have baseball being back in the Olympics uh, as well, um, and you have, um, you know, the LA Olympics in 2020. Eight, the Tokyo Olympics in 2020 and sandwiched between those two big baseball playing nations is Paris in 2024, uh, which you know isn't a traditional MLB uh, baseball playing nation um, in the same way that Japan and America are and yet with MLB's sort of foray into European uh, into holding games in Europe all of a sudden it raises the profile of the entire sport and uh, what I'm trying to get at is that it's all sort of fits together and it's all holistic do you have sort of similar thoughts
2: yeah absolutely uh like you say it would be a shame if major league baseball you know came over played the games packed their bags went home and and never bothered again um but all the noises we've heard from from well from rob manfred amongst others is that they want this to be a really serious foray into the market and they're invested in in you know not just coming and playing games but in setting up a lasting legacy beyond those two games and and like you mentioned london that and, and, and the UK has a great track record for putting on events like that, whether it be the Olympics, which is you know, just the ideal example, um, amongst other you know, annual sporting events that, which you know, draw huge crowds and which always look fantastic and, and display in many ways the best that the country has to offer. So hopefully we can use these games as you know, not just nine innings and then off we go, but as you know, you know, week-long festivals of, of, of baseball, of sport, of, of cultures you know, colliding, of all these fantastic things that, that happen on and off the field. Um, and if there's anywhere that can hopefully execute that perfectly, it's, it's going to be London. And I think, um, you know, there's pressure on Major League Baseball to do that well. But there's also so much opportunity, if they can do it well, to, to really inspire a generation of, of new fans and of, of, of potential you know, people playing the sport. And, and, and the, the, the possibilities are endless, really, um, if they do create a pretty large footprint in, in Europe. So um, that's definitely something that that we can dream on and that hopefully the the big dogs at Major League Baseball will be dreaming on is is a future where, you know, they have a massive uh, impact uh, in this country and in this continent.
0: Excellent. Well, we are just 11 short months away from uh, seeing the Yankees and the Red Sox take the field. Um, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We hope to speak to you again soon. Thanks so much for having
2: me. It's been a blast.
0: If you're interested in reading more about England and the Baseball World Cup, you can find more coverage on our website, www.baseballsoftballuk.com. You can follow us on Twitter by searching for BSUK. And if you're interested in playing our sport, simply go to baseballsoftballuk.com forward slash play to find out more. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with episode 13.